Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually, consciously living today. Here's your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, co-host and producer of the show, and our topic today is live a calm, confident, and courageous life. We're going to be talking about how we can break through the old patterns of stress, worry, and fear, and do exactly what the title says, live a calm, confident, and courageous life. I'm here today with yoga teacher, minister, and licensed marriage and family therapist, Reverend Connie Habash. I'm sorry, Connie, I didn't ask beforehand. Is that right? Is that how Close you say enough. your name? Habash is great. <laughs> Habash. Okay. Author of the book we will be discussing today, Awakening from Anxiety, A Spiritual Guide to Living a More Calm, Confident, and Courageous Life. Reverend Habash regularly facilitates classes, spiritual community gatherings, women's groups, and has a counseling practice in Menlo Park, California. Her blog has been quoted in the Huffington Post, Reader's Digest, NBCnews.com, and Elephant Journal. You can learn more about Connie Habash at the website AwakeningSelf.com. AwakeningSelf.com. You can also follow her on Facebook at Awakening Self. So welcome, Connie Habash. I am delighted to have you as a guest today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you, Laurel. It's wonderful to be here. So before we dive into our conversation about living a calm, confident, and courageous life, let's begin with a moment of contemplation. Oh. So let's begin by just bringing ourselves present right where we are. Whatever you're doing, just bring your attention to your body. Feel your body in space. Feel the surfaces that support your body, whether you're sitting, standing, walking. Just feel that connection with whatever surface supports you. And then just bring your attention to your breath, our wonderful companion, something that's with us all the time and can really help us to bring ourselves into the present moment. So just notice the next time you inhale and exhale. 
On the inhale, feel the cool air entering the nostrils. And on the exhale, feel the warm air flowing out. As you breathe in, feeling the parts of your body that move, perhaps your belly, your chest. And as you exhale, feel those same parts kind of return back to their resting position. And as we are here, present in this moment, here's something to contemplate, taken from Yogacharya O'Brien's book of inspirations, Living for the Sake of the Soul. Make the astounding journey from the head to the heart. This is the way of surrender. It is letting go of the mental conversation about how things need to be different than they are, or thinking that we are somehow separate from God. The spiritual life continually invites us to let go, let go of holding on to the past, let go of trying to become someone, and let go of the illusion that we are separate from the source. All of that clinging and holding on takes effort. We feel it as stress. When we notice it, we can ask, what would it be like to just let go? What would it be like to just let go? Once again, Kanye Habash, welcome to the Yoga Hour. It's really delightful to have you on the show as a guest. Thank you so much, Laurel. That was such a beautiful and perfect quote, I think, to start us off. <laughs> I was excited when I found it. I was like, oh, yeah, this is a good yeah, one. Yeah, I'll probably refer back to it. <laughs> so your book, uh, which is, um, I didn't have the title, uh, it's... Um, Awakening, Awakening from, anxiety. from Anxiety. There we go. Awakening from Anxiety, a spiritual guide to living a more calm, confident, and courageous life. So your book is about anxiety. What led you to write this book at this time? Well, I, I was working on this book, um, I guess it was in 2018 now. It came out in August of 2019. And I had been writing a book on spiritual growth before that, but I hadn't really gotten a lot of traction with it, and I knew that I had to have a particular focus for people that was meaningful in their everyday life. Spirituality, of course, is, but something more specific. And as I reflected on my students and my clients over the years and what they struggle with the most, at least in my practice, I kept coming back to anxiety and stress, especially here where I live in Silicon Valley, such a high-pressure area. So that's where I had the idea to bring those together to be a book for spiritually oriented people, for yoga practitioners, meditators, and for highly sensitive persons who struggle with anxiety and stress in their life. Mm -hmm. Highly sensitive persons. I know you mentioned that in the book. Can you just tell the listeners a little bit more about that? Yes. 
highly sensitive persons, or we, we call them HSPs for short, um, are people that are particularly sensitive in a number of ways. Um, sensorily, they might be very sensitive to bright lights, loud sounds, um, the, the kind of feel of the clothing on their skin can um, be too much sometimes if it's too itchy or too rough. Um, but also emotionally and energetically sensitive, so highly sensitive people might have their feelings, their feelings a little bit more easily hurt or they feel other people's emotions very readily. Um, mm -hmm. Probably a lot of the people who listen to the show are naturally empathic. Um, and so they also can be aware of energy where they are. Um, they can walk into a room and feel the energy there very palpably. They can sense who, um, who might be safe to be around, who isn't. Um, so they're just very, very attuned to the world, often unconsciously at first. They don't know why they struggle with being in crowds or they struggle with being around certain kind of people or they, they get extremely upset when they read or watch or listen to news. So um, that's a little bit about highly sensitive persons. And a lot of oh, people that, on the spiritual path are. That, that's great. So just briefly, why do you think anxiety is so prevalent in our world today. And I ask that <laughs> as we are at the beginning of the coronavirus epidemic. So I think maybe that even answers it. But uh, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, we have, yes, we have those very acute stressors that are bringing to our awareness our anxiety levels, because I think they were already there. And now they're just amped up and not just about, you know, possibly catching the coronavirus, but also about what's happened with the stock market and our finances and it's affecting our work and all of that. But I, there's many other stresses in our life that are causing us anxiety um, in this day and age. I can think of an example with my daughter, actually, she's a teenager, and much, much higher press, um, stress and pressure on teens these days to be able to even get into college, whereas before probably, you know, when you and I were a teen, you know, if you wanted to get in college, you could get into college. You could probably get into a UC if you really wanted to. Nowadays, that's much, much more difficult. And so there's, there's academic pressure for students. Of course, work pressures. We are working longer hours, at least here where I live in Silicon Valley, longer hours, more expected of people. They're expected to kind of live at their job or do it 24 hours a day at home on their computer longer commute times, um, the cost of living going up. Uh, and that's not even including, you know, our relationship stressors um, or our health. Health, pain, all of that causes an uptick in anxiety for people, especially as people age and they're mm -hmm. dealing with age-related conditions in their bodies. So there's so many stressors going now. We have the political environment. We have the, the um, climate wait, change. Wait, wait. You're making me anxious. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that's, that's what's going on in our world right now. So from yeah. all angles, we could be hit with it, right? Yeah. So obviously, everyone feels anxiety sometimes. That's pretty normal, our fight yeah. or flight response. We've heard a lot about that. But what are some signs that anxiety is a significant problem for someone, one that they should take steps to address? I think if they're finding that it's starting to have an impact on their day-to-day -day life, it's having an impact on their relationships. They may not 
be able to, they have a maybe an exaggerated startle response or they're more irritable or um, they're reacting a lot to their partner or their friends. Um, if they're not able to function well at work, if they're not able to sleep, if they're having digestive disorders, these are all really common symptoms, physical symptoms of anxiety or a lot of chronic tension in their body, clenching their jaw, grinding their teeth. Um, if it's affecting their day-to-day -day functioning, it's really time to reach out to somebody for support and finding new ways to deal with the stressors in our lives. So one of the things I, as I was mentioning before the show, when you and I were chatting for a minute, I really appreciate your book because it is written from a spiritual perspective. And you write, anxiety is supposed to disappear when you become more spiritual. However, <laughs> you point out that sometimes after we embark on a spiritual path, rather than feeling less anxious, we may feel more anxious. Why, why do you think that that is so? When I know, I'll speak for myself, but for a lot of other people that I know, a lot of my yoga students, for example, they start to practice yoga because they have stress problems and they, they know that it can help reduce stress and relax them. And so they start to feel some benefits from it. But then things kick in like comparison, like, oh, but they're doing that pose better than me. Or, oh, that person seems to sit so still and calm in meditation. Why can't I seem to do that? I'm just restless all the time. Am I doing it wrong? Am I not doing it good enough? Am I, or if we have a, a guru, a spiritual teacher, and we really want to please them, then sometimes we feel like, oh, I'm, I'm failing. I'm, I'm missing the mark. I'm not doing enough selfless service. I'm not having a, a loving, unconditional attitude all the time. And we can get really down on ourselves and cause a lot of anxiety and stress about doing it right and being a good enough spiritual aspirant or good enough yogi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. The other thing I was thinking is that as people tune in, turn inward in a yoga practice or meditation practice, they sometimes do become more embodied. And for some people, that's a change, you know, so they haven't been aware as yeah. much about the anxiety that's pretty much there all the time. And then when they stop and look inward, it can feel a little bit overwhelming and maybe Absolutely. make you more anxious. Yes. As you know, I talk about that aspect in the book that as we're journeying on the spiritual path, we are becoming more attuned, more sensitive, more aware, especially of what's going on in our inner selves. And things can arise that have been repressed within us. So the levels of stress and anxiety that maybe we've been pushing away or things that we've had um, fears or worries about that we've sort of been trying to avoid, that's all going to rise up to the surface, as you're saying, Laurel. And, um, and so it may seem like, wait, I, I started meditation in order to feel more spirit, uh, peaceful, and why am I now feeling so much more anxiety? It's part of the path. And in the book, I, of course, give lots of tools of how to work through that so that you can actually experience the benefits of those practices. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. So in the book, you describe several, I, I like what you did, you said mistakes. So not mistakes, but just mistakes, just a slightly different <laughs> take. So several mistakes that people on a spiritual path can make that perpetuate anxiety. So one of those mistakes is perfectionism. 
So how can perfectionism manifest for someone on a spiritual path? Yes, I think I, I mentioned a little bit about that in what I was saying in that um, many of us who endeavor to awaken, to become enlightened, are perfectionists. We want to refine and perfect ourselves to become perhaps the highest and best human being and spiritual being that we can be. And we can be really hard on ourselves. We can be really um, you know, constantly criticizing ourselves if we feel like we're not living up to the standards we're expecting of ourselves or we think that a particular um, teacher or a particular path expects of us. So um, we can really fall prey to that sort of perfectionism. If we find that we're perfectionistic in other areas of our life, like you know, in our work or in, um, in our, if we write a blog or whatever it is, it's going to show up in our spiritual life too, and that really causes anxiety. Mm-hmm. And you describe the saint syndrome, <laughs> which, I, which I enjoyed. So can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the saint syndrome is is about when we're comparing ourselves to that spiritual ideal, and and maybe we see someone like the Dalai Lama, or maybe Reverend Ellen Grace, or maybe you know a spiritual teacher like my Guru Amma, and we see how loving they are and how devoted to selfless service they are, and they seem to be at ease no matter what's happening, and they always have the perfect answers to everything, and and we might believe that we're supposed to become some sort of saint on this path. We're supposed to become like them. And so every time we fall short of that, of course, we have anxiety about it. So um, we're not expected to become saints. And what is that idea anyway? That's some sort of human concept or label that we've put on people. We're going to be human beings that have human experiences, including anxiety. As you said earlier, it's a natural human emotion that we experience from time to time. And the journey really is not about getting rid of those like, quote-unquote, bad emotions or emotions we don't want to have, like anxiety, but to learn how to move through them with grace and how to um, learn from them and grow from them and understand their messages. Absolutely. I enjoyed the part of the book where you were talking about the two principles of practice, you know, steady practice and non-attachment. Right. So with practice, well, I'll let you say it a little bit. So the idea of, of practice, which, which is, can actually be um, releasing, right? That we're practicing. Right. We're not perfecting. We're practicing. <laughs> we are right. coming back again and again to the meditation cushion or the yoga mat or to our breath or whatever it is. It's all a practice. It's all unfolding in our uniquely human way. We're not going to be perfect. And so to remember that we're practicing, we just keep coming back to um, working with these, you know, with meditation and with prayer and with chanting or whatever it is that we do for our spiritual practices and not expecting um, ourselves to ever become perfect. It's That's, to me, part of what's exciting on the spiritual path is that it's always unfolding um, we're never at the absolute end point and then we don't have to do anything anymore. There's always more to discover and explore. And then along with practice, as you know, the other um, core yogic principle is non-attachment. So then we practice without the expectation of a particular result that we had in mind. We will experience benefits and results from these practices, 
but um, when we're clinging to, oh, then I have to become absolutely peaceful in all circumstances, and then we don't, we think, you know, we've missed the mark or we're falling short of the goal. But it's really like, okay, just keep practicing and trusting that these will come to fruition in some way without attachment to how that happens. Exactly. And isn't that an interesting practice, the practice of non-attachment? For people who are not as familiar with it, sometimes it's really puzzling because it almost sounds like you're saying, don't even try. But that's right. not, it's not what it means at all. It is going out, doing your best, putting your best foot forward, practicing, as you just said, and n- releasing the outcome allowing whatever is to be, to be. Yes, and that really exercises our muscles of trust, doesn't it? Because to have that non-attachment, we cultivate that trust that the highest good is unfolding for us. We don't always understand Mm -hmm. what that is in the moment. We, We often think that only this outcome is a good outcome, but sometimes... We can reflect back on our lives that things happened that we didn't want or we didn't expect, and they actually turned out to be exactly what we needed or gave us an amazing lesson that we never would have had before. So trusting in the divine that everything is working for our highest good and we will be cared for and we will be guided and we're receiving exactly what we need and just keep practicing with non-attachment. Yes, absolutely. The uh, one of the other mistakes mistakes that you talk about in the book for people on the spiritual path is feeling the pain of the world. So, would you explain more about this for our listeners? This kind of error in thinking. Yes, I mean this has been a big one for me because there have been times in my life where I'd find out about you know some wolves being killed in Yellowstone or something, and I would just fall apart in a ball on my bed crying for the suffering of the animals or the suffering of, of people in Africa or whatever it is. Um, when the rainforests were burning, remember this summer? I think they're yes. still burning. But um, So we, you know, and this goes back to highly sensitive persons and being natural empaths on the spiritual path. Um, if we aren't when we start the path, we're going to become more naturally empathic because we're opening our heart chakra, right? We're opening our ability to feel and connect what's happening in the world and but one of the challenges is that we we take on too much of what's going on in the world and it's so easy when we're inundated by social media and the the news media and all that with things we read and things we see on our news feed and the internet and then of course watching tv and listening to the radio that it's easy to become overwhelmed with everything going on, all the suffering in the world. And so we need to find a way to not absorb that into our system and run all of those emotions through our body that we think those people or those animals or plants are experiencing. So in the book I talk about, in the self-compassion chapter, how, and in that chapter about feeling the pain of the world, how we can practice compassion um, without absorbing everything like a sponge, a more healthy way of responding with care and with understanding and with a willingness to see what action I can take to help alleviate that pain, but not expecting ourselves to take it all on personally. 
Yes, absolutely. And when we come back from the break in the second part of the show, we'll be talking more about things that, that people can do to work with these mistakes. And as we indicate in the title, to live a more calm, confident, and courageous, courageous life. Um, and one of those is boundaries. So yeah. we've only got another, um, say, minute. Do you want to have a little sneak preview about boundaries? Yes. So that's definitely related to feeling the pain of the world and the embodiment chapter. I talk specifically about boundaries. So boundaries aren't just saying, like, no, that's not okay with me. It's also um, putting up an energetic edge um, between you and the rest of the world. And so then you know what is you and what is not you. Um, so we imagine sort of like this energetic bubble around us. Many of you listening to the show are probably familiar with like an aura, your energy field. Well, there's, there's a boundary at the edge of that. And if we can bring awareness to that and we can imagine that all the rest of the suffering of the world is outside of that edge and we can still feel it, we can still pick up on it, we're not going to become callous. It's like our energetic skin. So you have your skin and you can feel things when you touch them with your fingers. You have your energetic skin of your energy boundary out there that can sense what's going on but not take it into yourself and process it through your physical and energetic body. Mm-hmm. There's a, a very simple uh, practice of literally just putting your hand on your heart as well. So putting your right hand on your heart, as we do for pledging the allegiance, and then just putting the left hand over the right. <laughs> and it just is, um, it's, it's a very uh, calming, it's a very calming practice. Yes, I use that as a self-compassion practice. Mm, yeah, really I, it's great that heart. you include the self in compassion because I think we often do need lots of self-compassion in order to move through the world and through our practice, right? And our mistakes. Yes. And with yes. that, we've come to the break. You're listening to the yoga hour with our guest today, yoga teacher, blogger, minister, and licensed marriage and family therapist, Connie Habash author of the book we're discussing today, Awakening from Anxiety, a Spiritual Guide to Living a More Calm, Confident, and Courageous Life. You can learn more about Kanye Habash at the website awakeningself.com. You can follow her on Facebook at Awakening Self. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and co-host of the Yoga Hour. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about some ideas that can help you awaken from anxiety. We'll be right back. Discover the power within. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. You're listening to the Yoga Hour, living the eternal way with your host, Yogacharya, Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome back from the break. This is Dr. Laurel Trujillo, and I'm joined today by Connie Habash, 
author of the book we're talking about today, Awakening from Anxiety. So Connie, in the first segment, we discussed anxiety in general, and now we're going to turn our focus to what we can do to awaken from anxiety. So as you point out in the book, anxiety is usually not related to something that is happening now. This has always just been really interesting to me when I feel anxious. So I'm not worried about this moment, but the focus is either something that has happened in the past or that I'm worried might happen in the future. So your first recommendation of the seven steps you discuss in the book is about presence. Mm -hmm. So we talk a lot on the yoga hour about presence, about mindful awareness, that ability to be present in the moment with that non-judgmental awareness. We were talking a little bit about non, being non-judgmental or non-attached mm -hmm. uh, in the first segment. So the contemplation exercise I led at the beginning of the show was an example about mindful awareness. So why do you think presence is so important? Why do you start your seven steps with presence? It's, to me, it's a foundation of everything, um, our spiritual life as well as our life in general, that there is nothing other than the present moment. We can't ever live in the past. I, I don't know anyone who's successfully created a time machine. <laughs> right. We can't, right? We can't go into the future and live in the future. That's always the unfolding present moment. This is our life. Every moment is our life unfolding. And so bringing that conscious awareness to this moment, um, we get to experience more of our life because a lot of our time, a lot of times we're not paying attention to what's happening in the present moment and we're missing these precious moments unfolding for us. And with anxiety in particular, that's the key to really shifting us out of it because if we can come into this moment now and do what I call a reality check, like what's really happening here right now? So right now I'm sitting in my home office at my desk looking out my window and a person just rode by on a bicycle. I mean, that's what's happening right here right now. I'm leaning on my windowsill. I can feel the wood underneath my fingers as I'm putting my fingers there on the sill. So this is this moment right now where wherever you are listening right now. By being in this present moment, we recognize, okay, these fears that we have are not happening right here, right now. It doesn't mean that we don't take some action toward things that we know we need to deal with. That's also in my book, Empowering Action. But in this moment right now, things are okay. And as we recognize that, our whole nervous system can calm down and we can recognize, okay, now I can better deal with anything that arises, whatever might come my way that's a challenge by being present here. Yes, indeed. I think that this is such a wonderful skill for people to develop and you can work on it all the time. You can have little moments throughout the day where you pay attention to your senses and all of the examples that you just gave were paying attention with senses. So you were looking, you know, so you were paying attention to your sight, you were feeling the windowsill as you leaned into it. So all of our senses can be used to help us bring to help bring ourselves into the present moment. And I have found for myself, that is such a great practice. One of the three main practices of Kriya Yoga from Patanjali's Yoga Sutra is self-study. Mm -hmm. 
And what you realize as you're on the spiritual path is, of course, we need our meditation practice, potentially yoga practice, postural yoga practice. And you can't, it's not something you can do for a few minutes a day and then turn around and totally forget about it and go about with your life. And the idea is really trying to bring those practices into how we live every day. And what I noticed through my own self-study is when I'm worried there is, or anxious, there is a, if I'm in my head, there's an acceleration that's going on. It's like a swirling, right? Mm -hmm. Where you're worried about one thing and at least to think about something else. And it's like, boop, 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 boop. It just goes faster and faster and faster. My breathing gets faster. There's so many things we can see about our physical response to anxiety that we notice, but only if we're present. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm great. glad that you brought up self-study because, I mean, my whole book pretty much is all about self-study, um, is about bringing that awareness to what's happening and the awareness to what's happening inside of ourselves, in our body, in our thoughts, how our thoughts are driving our emotions. And then I'm glad that you bring up sensory awareness because it's a big thing for me. And one of the practices that I find is so helpful to develop presence is going outside and doing what um, one of my teachers, John Young, who teaches deep nature connection, um, calls fit spot, where you just play, choose a place to sit outdoors in nature. Now, it could be just your front yard, or it could be a local park. It could even be on a balcony of your apartment. And then bring your awareness to your sensory experience. What am I hearing? What sounds am I hearing that are close by? What ones are far away? Do I smell anything? What's the temperature of the air right now? Um, can I touch something like some grass growing or the bark of a tree? And all of that really brings us into the present moment and helps shift us out of those, like you're talking about, those thoughts that kind of just spin or perpetuate into this is what's happening here now. Yes. And that, of course, <clears throat> calms our anxiety and our nervous system and kind of breaks up that train of thought that leads us down the road of becoming more anxious. Indeed. So we already mentioned this a little bit. The, the first practice of presence really leads you then to the practice of embodiment, which is yeah. the next one that you talk about. And we've already mentioned some of the things that you might notice as in self, uh, practicing self-study, watching ourselves as we do get anxious, um, and then feeling, feeling our, feeling the the changes that accompany anxiety. So, one of the practices that you talk about in the book for embodiment, um, and I and I should also mention that that one of the, the perspectives of the book is although we may want to run away from anxiety, that that is not going to be a successful strategy long-term because it, right. it is going to rear its ugly head and uh, the way past anxiety is through anxiety, is feeling mm -hmm. the anxiety. And you give a lot of great suggestions about these practices that help will help people move through it. But I wanted to 
I wanted to give you an opportunity to talk about the experience of brushing your teeth with your eyes open and then with your eyes closed. <clears throat> Can you describe that practice for our listeners? Yes. So I use that as an example in the embodiment chapter because often we are observing our body from outside of it rather than inside. So, And I, I say this as a yoga teacher and practitioner because um, for many years I didn't realize that when I would say something, you know, or I'd get, be given a direction or I'm directing myself to um, lift my kneecaps, for example, in, in a pose or spread my toes, I would look down. I would look at my foot, you know, am I spreading my toes rather than I can feel that from inside my toes. I don't need to look to see. And so when we do this exercise of brushing the teeth, it reveals a lot of how we're always looking at ourselves from the outside. We have these mirrors that we're looking in constantly, and so we're often looking at our teeth when we're brushing them. But that's not really embodied. That's not really feeling the experience from inside. And so when we close our eyes and we tune into the sensations of the toothbrush on our teeth and our gums and the top of the mouth and the bottom of the mouth and against my tongue, I have a totally different experience of brushing my teeth. That's embodied. And one of the things I talk about in the book is that not being embodied, not really being present in our body, um, can actually increase our anxiety because the body feels we're not really attending to and taking care of um, awareness of our environment and making sure we're safe if we're up in our heads a lot or outside of our body looking at it. So being in the body helps calm the nervous system. And I give examples of that through grounding and centering and what I mentioned earlier, the energetic boundaries. So that toothbrushing exercise sort of brings home the difference between when we're embodied and when we're looking at our body from the outside. So you mentioned something that I think is important, this idea of grounding. And for those people who don't have a grounding practice, what do you rec what's a good one to start with? What would you recommend? Well, grounding is, you know, we can take a look at trees as the example of that. If they're not, grounding is about being really rooted into the earth and really connected to the planet here. And we know that if trees aren't really rooted and grounded, they're going to fall over or they aren't going to be able to grow upward at all. They have to go down in order to rise up. And on the spiritual path, this can be a big mistake to kind of go up into the upper chakras, for example, or these higher states of meditation and sort of lose our sense of being fully connected here to the earth. And that's what creates our sense of stability and security, which are really necessary for calming anxiety. So grounding is that sense of literally feeling and imagining energetic roots going into the earth and feeling our palpable connection to the earth. Um, it can be helpful to walk barefoot on the earth to get a sense of that, but even just standing on your feet with or without shoes on and feeling like you're paying attention to your connection to the earth and that gravity that holds you to her, that is a very powerful and important calming practice. Exactly. I love the practice of not only feeling your feet on the ground, and I know you talk about this in the book as well, but extending your awareness to the foundation of the building down into the earth. Mm -hmm. So really not just feeling your connection to whatever floor that you are standing on, but really being aware that that is, that that connects you all the way down deep into the earth. You know, when you look, you mentioned a tree 
And my understanding of root systems is that as much of a tree as you can see, just imagine a huge spreading tree, there's the mirror image of that tree underneath the ground in terms yeah. of the root system, that it extends all the way to the line of the, you know, as far as the branches grow, the roots grow. So that's a, it's a wonderful image to take with us that that's how grounded something like a tree is. Yes, and how important it is for us to be grounding that, especially as we're evolving on the spiritual path and we're expanding our awareness, it's vitally important then, like you said, with all the roots that are under the tree that we don't see, to maintain those grounding embodiment practices so that we continue to stay healthy and stable and calm and at ease here on the planet and then can continue to progress on our spiritual path. Mm. So in the book, you write about your own struggle with anxiety and your desire to deal with it, you know, originally mm-hmm. through bearing, being in control. Yeah. However, yeah. as we both know, there are many, many things in life that we don't control. And this is one area where yoga philosophy and practice is so helpful. One of the ways to deal with wanting to be in control is the practice of surrender, surrendering, surrendering to what is, surrendering to the divine, surrendering to whatever your kind of largest connection is. So surrendering to truth, surrendering to love. Many times people stumble a bit when they, when we talk about the divine or about God because of maybe past negative associations. So whatever works, whatever phrase works for you, but that idea of surrender. And I mentioned that there are these three key practices of Kriya Yoga that are put forth in Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, which are self-discipline, self-study, and then Mm self-surrender. So would you talk more about how the practice of surrender can help us to deal with anxiety? To me, surrender is the most powerful practice. It's, it's been the most helpful for me in overcoming my anxiety. And I have, have kind of this little rhyme that I say to myself, which is, do what I can do and surrender the rest. <laughs> do what I can do and surrender the rest. So you know, whatever, whenever I'm dealing with a challenging situation, I'm aware that there's only so much that I have volition over. And to be worrying about and stressing about anything that I don't only causes me suffering and it doesn't do anything to improve the situation. And so I just take whatever empowering action I can take toward improving the situation that's causing me stress. And then I let go and I trust in something greater than me because I know, you know, like you said, whether you believe in God or the divine or, um, or the planet or the universe, there is a higher order of things here. I don't have to worry about the sun rising the next morning. It's going to. I mean, if I was in charge of that, that would be really a concern for all of us, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yes. you know. Um, oh, I forgot. I forgot for the sun no, to come up today. No, I've got to go do that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, these th- there is a higher order of things that I know governs my life and governs the planet the seasons flow of themselves. And putting my trust in that brings me great ease. I remember when I was in the hospital, I I had gone to the emergency room, 
and we didn't know yet what was causing pain in my abdomen, um, I just kept going back to self-surrender, Ishvara Pranidhana in Sanskrit. I kept going back to self, just surrender to the divine and trust this process because I can't, I'm not a surgeon, I can't diagnose this, I can't make it go away. I need to trust that everything I need is here right now for this healing journey. And because of that, I experienced a lot of peace, even in the midst of feeling scared, which is interesting that you can actually hold both. You can hold that fear and feel the deeper level of peace that's supporting you through it. It was really beautiful and powerful and and brought that concept home to me. That's a, that's a really lovely story. And it sounds like it was a challenging moment. And as we talked about earlier, it's practice, right? Mm-hmm. We're not Absolutely. we're not trying to be perfect. It's practice. Yeah, it didn't come the first time that I tried it. Right, the first time <laughs> I tried yes. it. Okay, okay, trust God. Right, but I want it this way, or it's got to be this way, or else I'm not going to be okay, or you know, all those old thoughts that I would keep coming back to, and I would keep coming back to. No, wait, trust. And whenever I would look at, you know, well, when I just walked through this, it, it always somehow worked out, even if it didn't work out perfectly. I'm still here. <laughs> I'm still here. And in fact, I, I feel like in many ways my life is so much richer and better before for having gone through those challenging experiences. So it is, like you said, Laurel, a practice. And the more we practice, the more we'll be able to develop that self-surrender, the more that we can recognize, okay, if I can surrender you know, the sun rising to something bigger than me and the seasons and um, you know, my breath, I mean, of course, we can work with our breath consciously, but we don't have to think about breathing. Our body does it. Then I can surrender to something bigger in these other areas of my life and see how that really does unfold and care for me. I don't need to control everything. Yes. It's so much about control. Mm -hmm. And we've already talked about a couple of practices that can help with surrender, right? So being present, Mm -hmm. pulling ourselves present, into what is happening right now and paying attention to our bodies, what is going on within our bodies. So you have actually seven steps. We've talked about three of them. We've talked about presence and embodiment, and we've talked about surrender. So we still have a few minutes left, well, about five minutes left. So would you like to talk about another of the... Seven steps. Sure, and I just want to um, make sure everyone knows that the first two steps, presence and embodiment, um, then the surrender step is actually number seven, so we sort of leap to the end, and it's it's a little bit more advanced, and it takes all these other foundations to really, I think, be fruitful at practicing surrender. So let's go back then to the third one, which is self-compassion. I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but, you know, it's – pretty easy for most of us, especially most of us spiritually oriented folks, to feel compassion toward others, to compassion toward animals and, and you know, people who right now have the coronavirus and are suffering or whatever it is. But when it comes to ourselves, we can be really hard on ourselves, right? We can be very judgmental and um, get down on ourselves. And what we really need in those moments of anxiety and fear and stress or any other you know, difficult emotion like anger or depression, what we really need is to be compassionate toward ourselves. And I 
define compassion, I distinguish it from empathy because empathy is really about being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. Um, but compassion is really about being present with that suffering. So self-compassion, we're going to be present with our own suffering, with a kind and caring attitude, with a interest in understanding what is happening in that suffering, in that anxiety for, in this example, um, and a willingness to serve in some way, to take some sort of action toward um, softening and healing that anxiety, but, of course, without attachment to outcome. So we need to learn to direct that compassion toward ourselves, that our anxiety is not bad, it's not wrong, um, it's a natural part of being human sometimes, and when we can just stop, and I'm right now placing my hand on my heart like you talked about earlier, Laurel, and feeling my heart and that touch of the hand at the heart can help us really, it helps soothe the nervous system and help us really come back to ourselves and be like, okay, in this moment right now, I can be here with myself in the, this anxiety. I know I'm suffering right now, and I can be here right here with myself as I'm feeling that difficult emotion, and I can be kind toward myself in this moment as I'm feeling the fear or the worry. It's very, very helpful. And if we can learn to sit with that for a few minutes, sometimes the anxiety will go ahead and shift of its own. Mm. Yes, it's a lovely, lovely practice. So this conversation has just flown by. And in the last two minutes, I wanted to give you a chance to have the last word. So in closing, what words of inspiration or encouragement would you like to leave with our listeners? Well, in the Yoga Sutras, as you know, Patanjali, the father of yoga philosophy, talks about the five causes of suffering. And the number one cause, which is the foundation for the other four, is ignorance. It's, it's the ignorance of our true nature as divine. Mm -hmm. And if we can keep coming back to recognizing we are one with that infinite source, we are the divine manifest, we are spiritual beings having a human experience, and we tap into that larger self with the capital S of our divine essence, then the anxiety feels much smaller. It's mm -hmm. not who we are. We are this vast, vast consciousness of awareness and of unconditional love. And so that shrinks the anxiety down to what it really is. It's, it's fluctuations of our mind and emotions, but not who we are. So keep coming back to your true self, who you are, your divine essence, and know that you are much bigger than anxiety or any situation or condition in your life. Mm. That was really, really inspirational and beautiful. So I really thank you for that. With that, we've come to the close. You've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, producer and co-host of the show, and we've been discussing Live a Calm, Confident, and Courageous Life with our guest, Connie Habash, author of the book we've been discussing today, Awakening from Anxiety. I did want to mention that Connie is hosting an upcoming online workshop which is called Thriving in Challenging Times. It's going to be Saturday, March 28th from 9 to 11 a.m. 
And she's going to use the principles we've been discussing today in relation to what's happening in the world today. So you can find out about uh, more about that at her website, awakeningself.com. Thank you so much for joining me today, Connie. I've really enjoyed speaking with you. Thank you, Laurel. It was a delight. Join me next time when I will be talking with B.J. Fogg, Ph.D., author of the book Tiny Habits, The Small Changes That Change Everything. Dr. Fogg is a behavior scientist and founded the Behavior Design Lab at Stanford University. And we're going to be talking about how starting small and staying positive can lead to personal transformation. Yogacharya O'Brien will be leading a four-day silent meditation retreat in the silence of the soul from March 19th to 22nd in Boulder Creek, California. She will also be at the 1440 Multiversity in Scotts Valley, California from April 10th to 12th, 2020 for a workshop called Light at the Edge of the Forest, a yogic view on aging. For details about these programs, check her website, ellengraceobrien.com or the CSE, Center for Spiritual Enlightenment website, uh, csecenter.org. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. CSE welcomes people from all backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization, a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, founder, director, and host of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producer, Anne Hayes, CSE's global media outreach manager, Holly Gray, and Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at unityonlineradio.org. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.